blessed Jesus. Hallelujah. Good day, everyone. Whilst they are tweaking this um, microphone and stuff, I want those who are on the outside just to rejoin us inside, please. And also, I want to minimize as the movement as best as possible. We have some matters to talk about that are of tremendous kingdom import. Let me quickly say also, happy, um, well, I was told, blessed Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers today. And um, to my own wife who is not present, um, she will be, um, she'll be away from church for a few months and a few Sundays. So please, please just understand that. Amen. All right, so waiting for those to be in. Hallelujah. We have some serious matters to talk about today. I'm getting an unusual sound, so I'm trying to have that sound, 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 okay. Fixed before. Sound. Can you hear me better now? Sound a little better. Yes. Amen. What a glorious day today with this baptism and to hear the ministry being poured out by the team and joined by our um, Sister Smith. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask our team to pull up for me a passage of scripture and you can have it on your overhead. And together we will explore this, these passages today. We are going to 1 John chapter number 3. So 1 John contemplate. 10 verses. 1 John chapter number 3. 10 verses there that we want to contemplate. Hallelujah. Have you found it? So let me advise our sound team. Just take down the highs a little bit for me, please. And um, please commission Phantom Power. Take down the bass a little. Mic one. And balance out upper mid and lower mid and lower lower mid hallelujah thank you Lord take it down a little bit more in the monitors just a little more take it down a little in the monitors hallelujah have you found it everyone First John chapter number 3 so that's all the way almost to the back of your Bible. First John chapter number three. 
for those who are new believers, almost to the back of your Bible, 1 John chapter number 3. Hallelujah. Have you found it? Good. Now bow your heads for prayer, everyone. Lord, we thank you today that you by your spirit has allowed us on this day designated Mother's Day this day between Pesach and Shavuot between the Passover and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit um, in Pentecost we are in this point before you today and we are asking you to fill this house with your glory to fill our lives with your glory and to fill us with all the fullness of your Holy Spirit Father take this word and do with it as it is in your heart for we are more than speaking to persons, to individuals but we are speaking to atmosphere we are speaking to atmospheres across this region and across the nations of the world speaking to those who are linking us online speaking in this very fulsome way we thank you Father in the name of Jesus Amen Amen and Amen our scripture let's read Beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wherefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Beloved, now are you the Son of God. And it does not yet appear what you shall be. But you shall, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever commits sin, transgresseth the law for sin is a transgression of the law and ye know that he have that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin whosoever abide in him sinneth not whosoever sinneth hath not seen him neither know him Little children, let no one deceive you. Or let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he that commit, committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested 
that he might that he might destroy the works of the devil whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God in this is the children of God are manifest are in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil whosoever does righteousness sorry whosoever does not righteousness is not of God neither he that love not his brother I love not the brethren I want to just have you also go to 2nd Peter chapter number 1 so 2nd Peter chapter number 1 we're going to take a little piece of this 2nd Peter passage so 2nd Peter chapter number 1 we're right in that same ballpark so where John is they're not too far from each other and let's read 2 Peter chapter number 1. We'll start our reading at verse number 3. Hallelujah. Alright, so here we go. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these he might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust and by this give all diligence Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love or charity for listen to this for if these things be in you and abound they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has what is and has forgotten and has forgotten that he was once purged from his old sins what a troublesome word So let me finish this up by saying the rest of it. It says, Wherefore, brethren, or wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence, watch this, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall neither, let me go again, if you do these things, you shall never fall. If you do these things, you shall never fall. If you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you 
abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whosoever will not put. So let me go ahead. Wherefore, I put you, therefore, I will not be negligent to put you away in remembrance of these things, though you know them and are established in them already. I established in the present truth. In the present truth. In the present truth. I have been having a crisis. Now, most persons understand, I would say, what is referred to as midlife crisis. But I've been having a crisis as I seek to understand what's going on with the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking Jamaica. I'm talking internationally. And the thing that is happening is really disturbing. It's, 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 it's affecting me in, to the extent that I would go before the Lord just in hours of praying and saying, God, please explain this to me. Why is this thing happening? Why is it not happening? Why is it not changing? And the trouble I'm having is the serious misrepresentation. The serious misrepresentation that is going on right now in the body of Christ and what he has done and what he stands for. That's the crisis I'm having. So this word today is more than just speaking to us one and one. I am speaking to atmosphere. I'm speaking to this atmosphere that has come over the body of Christ. So I want to just maybe just call it that for now. Speaking to atmosphere. Because I'm not even sure what to, to classify this message as a theme. That is how crucial this is. And what is happening is that within the body, you can hardly hear a song. Even what is to be a worship song. You can hardly sit down and listen to a song that comes out of the church and not hearing accompanying on that song the sin that the singer is practicing. I don't know for other persons but that's what happened to me. It may be from the fact that I have over these 30 odd years, 35 years plus have been involved in training in praise and worship and intercession and, it, and have developed both through that and through experiences that the Lord has taken me in. I am, it, it may be because of that, but 
I'm having a difficulty because when these songs are sung and are put out there and with all of the activities that you can hear going on and see sometimes in their music videos going on in the room and it seems like heaven has touched down in that place I cannot help but hearing the interwovenness of their sin with it. Now let me remind us because all I'm doing today I'm just going to be talking scriptures. I'm going to be reminding us, putting us in remembrance of scriptures. I may add little expansion here and there but I'm going to put us in remembrance of scripture. This, this message will be like none other that I've shared before because it is so crucial that you get it, get it. Your life, your eternal life depend on it. Depends on it. So somebody hearing the statement that I made earlier might say, but why is this man talking like that? Let me explain why. Proverbs says that when the righteous falters, when the righteous fall in sin, in the presence of the ungodly, he has become a polluted well and a murky spring. He says, any sin that the righteous falls into corrupts and pollutes the outflow. It, it impacts on the anointing or whatever ministry that is being given from that individual life. Interwoven into that is the pollution. It means we cannot play games with this matter. We have to be very deliberate and diligent in order to address this within the body of Christ. Because what we are getting in a lot of cases are pollutions called, how do I say it? We are getting things that are supposed to be anointings, but instead we are getting pollutions. We are drinking from toxic fountains. That's what is happening. And when you drink from toxic fountains, you will become just as toxic as the stuff you are drinking. It impacts on you. And impacts on you greatly. And so this is no games at all here. This is no game. So we have some things that I want to establish first and foremost. If we were to go by what John says, and we must, John says that the persons who are born of God does not commit sin. Now, let me quickly clarify. John did not say you may not fall into sin. What John says is that you do not commit, meaning you do not willfully, knowingly, determinedly, stiff-neckedly go after sin. I don't care what sin it is. That if you are truly born of God, something in you must hate sin. Not love it, not wanting to get into a much more closer connection with sin. Our generation have been 
somewhat taught to think. Instead of staying away from sin, we want to know how close can we get to the edge before we fall off or still maintain our Christianity. So we are not in the business of avoiding sin. We are more in the business of attempting to see how close are we before we drop over the edge. I want everyone to be mindful then of what we are dealing with here. So John says, you're born of God, you do not commit sin. Why? Because sin is of the devil. Sin is of the devil. And if, in fact, he went further to say, this is how we differentiate the difference between the sons of God and the sons of the devil are whether or not this person is a doer of righteousness. Are they committed to righteousness? Are they committed to righteousness? Are you committed to righteousness? Are you and I seriously committed to righteousness? Or are we only righteous when we feel like it? Is that, is that our situation? We are only doing it. Let me tell you, I've seen many things in the church uh, overall. And so I have run across persons who would say, well, you know, why don't you give me something to do? Why don't you give me a ministry to do? Because if you give me a ministry to do, then it helped me to stay clean from sin. In other words, they are saying, my consecration is, can only be maintained if I have some ministry to do. But the moment the ministry is over, they go right back into what has happened before. So let me trouble you a little bit then with your thoughts a little because today I'm talking to you like father talk to children. I want to remind you of one of our noted patriarchs, David. And David, he, Bible says that the times when kings are supposed to go out for battle, David came home and decided to take a break. You know that there's a war going on. And that is the time that you chose to go on vacation. Oh, you thought I was talking about him. I'm talking to us. That you are in the midst of a war. And that is the time you choose to drop your arms. To lay your arms down. That you, are you cognizant of how serious the enemy is against you? Are you aware that Satan is playing no game. He is under no obligation to take casualties, to take um, hostages. He is, he is determined to do his original purpose. Steal, kill, and destroy. He is not sparing anyone or anything. Something else I need to make you aware of. 
because this is how significant it is anything in the planet anything in the earth anything outside of this earth that bears the image of Christ upon it the image of God whether it is an institution or if it's an individual if you are determined to walk or to be reflectors to be image bearers image of God the enemy sees you as target number one because he's serious about marring the image of Christ in the earth why do you believe it almost appear as though what is called same-sex marriages seem to be working out better than biblical marriages why do you think they look as though they are so happy when the people who are in biblical marriages and relationship look like they have been uh, they have been pickled in lime juice why why, why, why is it that sometimes you're having this warfare going on in your system? So the image of Christ that is upon you is under threat. The enemy has gone after it with a vengeance. That is how serious it is. So now, John says that if we are born of God, we do not commit sin. Peter says, Peter says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. Now I want to look at somebody beside you and tell them you have already been given something to bite into. Tell them. You have already been given something to bite into. The idea of partaking is either you're going to bite into it or you have become a part of it. It has now infused itself on your life. I'm, and I'm going all over the place it would appear. I have a structure, but I'll be there. So for instance, the Bible says, if any man or any woman be in Christ Jesus, finish it for me. If any man be in Christ Jesus, what? You are a what? You have become a new species. Creation means species. It means that you are recreated into something new. All right, let me let me use something that can give you an idea. Bible talks of Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah talks about uh, God sending him into the potter's house. And when he got to the potter's house, he noticed that the man was working a work on a wheel. You remember that? Jeremiah 18. So the potter is working a work on the wheel. And whilst he has shaped it and finished it, just before he placed it into the oven, the vessel became marred while it was still in his hand. And the Bible says, that instead of him throwing out, he looked at the clay and he says, okay, so you don't want to make me to make you in the original concept that I have in my mind? All right. 
I'm going to make you into a new vessel. Not a new of the first kind he was working. But he makes it a different vessel. In other words, with your combined experience of being in the world and all that you're exposed to, when God is finished with you, you are supposed to be a much more effectual servant and minister than had you were born into church and never gone out into the world. Follow me closely then. So he says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. We have become partakers. God has put something of himself in you and I. So now let's drill down because we, the problem we are having here becomes this. The question must be asked and I want you to ask this question everyone. Who am I? Ask the question of yourself. Who am I? Today I'm asking who. Normally I would ask what is man? Because the question asked in Psalm 8 is not who is man but what is man? Who is man? Man is created in the image and likeness of the Lord. Who is man? Man is created as image bearers. Who is man? Man is created to be God's representative in the earth. Who is man? Man is to be in earth as God is in heaven to be subduing earth. What is man? Man is to be God's anointed reflectors in the earth. We must show forth him, his glory. We must show him forth. So, in this question of who am I? Have you discovered yet who you are? Because I realize that part of the reason why we are falling the way we are is we don't know who we are. You don't know who you are. Trust me, you don't know who you are. If you know who you are, then you know that you are more than conqueror to Christ. I'm going to ask again that the persons that are on the outside come inside, please. More than conqueror. If you know who you are, then you'll also know that the things that are you are tripping up over, you have already you are more powerful than all of that. You are more powerful than all of that. So who are you? You are a new species. You have been created anew in Christ Jesus in such a way that the Bible says old things are passed away. Say that with me everybody. Old things. O L all things. All things are passed away. A-L-L. All things are passed away. And behold so O-L-D. All things are passed away and A-L-L. All things have become new. 
you are new and the things you have before you are new they are new again old things old old things um, one second you are still doing what I'm asking not to be done take a seat right there don't move Stephen take a seat right there I know you're going to the restroom my dear take a seat right there do not move hi hello right there you're still moving thank you very much all things are passed away and behold all things become new listen to this part not only are all things become new not only are that but it says God has reconciled us by Jesus Christ to himself in other words he went on a campaign for your freedom and let me say it another way the reason for reconciliation are that word to reconcile means that he has purchased you back to himself you belong to another owner by virtue of our own sin he purchased you back redeemed you to himself and then on top of all of that he has also um, committed to your charge the ministry of reconciliation so you have been saved to get other people saved you have been saved that through your model through your version and experience of the Christian walk others will want to serve the Lord as well we say that again through the reflection that you give of how Christ has impacted on you others will want to walk that way as well so much so that God says you are now ambassadors you are now ambassadors ambassadors of heaven you represent heaven you represent all that heaven stands for therefore if our reflection if our representation of heaven is flawed the world do not know what they are seeing if what we are showing of heaven the world is left in confusion they don't know what to look for what the Bible says the Bible says in Romans 8 the whole creation is looking to see the manifestation of what of what of what the manifestation of the sons of God what is the difference between sons of God and sheep of his pasture there's a difference what exactly is the difference the difference here is simply this that when you're a son of God you are manifesting authority obedience you're you demonstrating submission to your father you are a child of your father and you become a reflector of him if you are sheep you're always prone to straying God did not call you to be sheep he called you to be son 
he called you as sheep to make you son. That's a big difference. So he did not call you to become sheep. He called you as sheep to become sons. And the reason why I stop everybody from moving because I know the enemy wants you to miss this like miss it big. And when tomorrow comes, you can't stand up at all. Because the birds are released to rub from your heart a word even before it gets said. So we're not playing games with this one today. Mm -mm. Not playing games. Who are you? You are new creation. And as new creation, you are to give you are that new species you are to show forth in. Show him forth. Who are you? You are one who have been reconciled to play a role in the reconciliation of others. Who are you? You are ambassadors of heaven. You are the representation of heaven. Do you know that when you understand that you are an ambassador, you stop you stop lamenting over food and clothes and house and shelter. The day you know you're an ambassador, you stop worrying about those things. Why? Because ambassadors are always taken care of by the sending nation. Always. Always taken care of by the sending nation. Always. I won't say much but just to say this. This Thursday last, I actually performed the wedding of an ambassador of a nation. And in doing that, it was one of the most amazing things to meet this gentleman. Wonderful spirit. Amazing. No cares in the world. Jovial and friendly. Because his needs are taken care of. It's taken care of completely. Completely. Who are you? Now, the next thing then. Here's the next thing. So, we are told, and I want to use this as a caption, that you are an overcomer by the... You are an overcomer. And you must overcome by the words of your testimony. Not my testimony, no. Your testimony. Your testimony must be that which shows how overcomer you are, how overcoming you are. <laughs> so, what testimony am I talking about? So let me give you a couple of scriptures, if you may. Write them down, first of all. So Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life until death, according as according as God has chosen us in himself before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, watch this, holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the grace, according, sorry, according to the good pleasure of his will. So Ephesians says, Ephesians says, I, 
I, I jumped into Ephesians when I did that. Let me just do Romans. Uh, sorry, uh, do Revelation again. So we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And Ephesians 1 4 says, According as Christ has chosen us in himself before the foundation of the world, that we should be before him in love. We should be holy and without blemish before him in love. We should be holy and without blemish before him in love, having predestined us according to the option of children by Christ Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. What am I saying? And they overcame him. Not and they are going to overcome. This is documented as a done deal. As an experience has already happened. Overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of your testimony. What is your testimony? When you represent Christ, because a testimony, let me, let me say it another way. When we say testimony, there's a thing that happened, you hear me mention it before, in halfway three, one year. Where at a certain point midday, one man stood up in the middle of the street and started to protest. And within a matter of hours, halfway three was blocked. When the news reporters came and they interviewed the man at the back of the crowd, one man said, why are you protesting? The boy said, well, I don't know you here, sir. I, I, I think we're protesting for higher wage and so on and so forth. And the more persons he, the news reporter interviewed is the more he understood that they don't know why they gathered. They don't know. So when they find the actual man who started the thing, they found out that an injustice was done against him and that was his reason for protesting. If you're going to be a witness, a, the requirement of witness must be that you're an eyewitness or an experiential witness. You are the witness by virtue of your experience or your eyewitness by virtue of what you have seen and what you know. So he says, so what witness are you? Let's examine this some more. First of all, we are supposed to be witness that are living in this life with holy and without blame. Witness of what the love of God has done in rescuing us on time. I don't know about some of you, but I know that if he didn't get to me when he did, I would have been a goner. I don't know what your testimony is. I know that if I wasn't saved at the time that the Lord saved me, I would have either been dead and buried a long time ago or a drunkard or someone out of my mind sleeping on the street. What is your testimony? Is it one that says he has chosen you before the foundation of the world that you should be walk holy before him? Is it your testimony that understands that he has up and after choosing you went one step further and determined your destination beforehand. Watch the next verse of Ephesians 1. So he has chosen us before the foundation of the world according to the good pleasure of his will. Watch this. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us acceptable or accepted in the beloved. Every single one of us in here must be 
evidence of what the grace of God is capable of doing. We must be eyewitnesses and experiential witnesses. But the evidence we are putting out there is that the grace of God is insufficient to keep us. That's what the world is seeing. The world is seeing that the body of Christ is saying that I, the grace of God cannot deliver me at all. It, Paul is walking through his struggles and when he went to God, thorn in the flesh, he goes to God and says, why don't you remove this thing? God said, my grace is more powerful than any thorn that is in your flesh. That's what he said to him. My grace is capable of stopping the thorn from overcoming you and stopping you from becoming prideful. My grace sufficient enough. But no, we in this 21st century is looking at they in the Acts time and telling them, is lie you telling? We are telling the New Testament believers in Acts that they have told a lie. We are saying that from Acts all the way to Revelation. Those who claim that the grace of God was capable of keeping them lied. Because you can't, you are not experiencing that. When John says, I'm an eyewitness of his majesty, you are looking at John and saying, you're a liar. This grace that you talk about, that you say kept you, something else must have done it, but not this grace, because I'm not experiencing it. That's our testimony. That's our eyewitness report. We are telling the scriptures, we are telling John and those back then, that no, I know so this thing work. So, and we are to the most part in a very serious way we are also telling God come on get him to sit down we are also telling John I'm telling God we are also telling God God either it's either you gave one kind of grace but then and ran out of it now because we are not experiencing what they had then that's what we are saying that's what we're saying. What is your testimony? What, what are you testifying? What's your life saying? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. God looked at Paul and he says, I'm not removing this thing. My grace is sufficient. And my strength, not I'm going to strengthen you in weakness. So we have to look at what the Bible did not say. Not just what it says. He didn't say, I'm going to strengthen you when you are weak. That's not what he says. He says, I am going to give you my strength. I want to ask you in here as a census. Is there any one of you in here that is as strong as God? Are you? Or, let me ask it in the flip version. Is there anyone here who actually believes that God is weak? He's so weak. Very weak. Is that what we believe? Because he says, my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. 
I'm running on. So we must then become, follow me, where we're saying, by our testimony we're saying, a couple of things. When we are not living how we are supposed to live, this is what we're saying. Number one, we're saying that the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross is not enough. It goes so much but didn't go far enough. We're saying that the blood has no power. It's not as powerful. It's not as efficacious as have been previously said. Not powerful enough. And that the Holy Spirit is not powerful enough to break me free from my sinful desires. Is that? If I bring you in court, is that the testimony you, you're going to bring? Because your life is in court. Every day of your liberty, of your living, is standing up and being held up before the people of the world. And they are looking at it as a TV screen. And what they are seeing make them not want to come to, the, to God at all. They don't want to come. And they are looking and saying, if you are talking about how you were delivered by the blood, and I still see you doing all of this stuff, watch, this is, you said, this is cheap. I stay where I am. Because I don't see you look delivered. We are also saying that the word is incapable of cleansing us. So let's, let's put this in context so you understand what I'm saying. I'm going to move a little quickly. So, hmm. I, ah, David says, and I'll give you the passage in a little bit. How can a young man cleanse his ways? We are saying, he says, by the word of God. We are saying, no David, come again. You are lying. You are lying. We don't, we're not experiencing that. We're not experiencing that. Now, here's what Romans 8, 11 says. If the spirit of God that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you then he that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies imagine that that the Holy Spirit is so powerful to raise up Christ from the dead but he's not powerful enough to keep you from going back to your old lifestyle imagine that Imagine the testimony. Psalm 119, verse 9. Where it all, Beth, where it all. A young man cleanses his ways. I've said that. Yet by taking it to the word of God. Watch the next verse. With my whole heart have I sought you, Lord. Let me not wander from your commandment. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The problem with our testimony is we are not in the word. So we're not experiencing the cleansing provided by the word. We're not. We're not. And our testimonies are flawed. 
Do you know that you can be charged with perjury? When you go to court and you lie, knowingly lie, you can be charged with perjury. Can you imagine standing before the high court of heaven and be charged with perjury to bear in false witness of what the power of God is capable of doing? That's what our problem is. I'm, I'm going. Don't worry, I won't keep you too, too, too long. You won't be here until tomorrow. Hebrews 10 from verse 26 to about verse 30. Hebrews all the way to 31. Hebrews 10. Listen to what it says. And I'm going to just read it off. It says, If we willfully sin, after we have come to the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of the judgment of God that will consume the enemies of God. Under Moses, a man dies upon the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more do you not believe that you who are supposed to be in God and keep falling this way is not worthy of him killing you on spot? That's what Hebrews 10 says. The church has been told that because we're under grace, judgment is not happening. That's a lie. Hebrews says, in the same way that upon the testimony of two or three witnesses, do you not think that we are more <laughs> guilty of being judged than they back then? Why? Because they back then did not have what we have right now. They had the Holy Spirit hovering over them and sitting upon them in season. You have him dwelling inside of you. And then you turn around and tell him, you are incapable of keeping me. That's what is at stake. That's the testimony. And Hebrews says, we are worthy of more judgment than they. Because... Here is, here is what you're not realizing. Let me, let, me get, let me get very serious here before we can see. It. Here's what it says. Verse number 29 of Hebrews 10 says, this is, what, this, is what grieved, this is what grieved the Lord. How much more sore, how much more severe do you think the punishment should be? Should be. How much more do you think it should be? Who have trodden underfoot the Son of God. That phrase, to be trodden underfoot, is what Jesus taught when he says, if the salt has lost its savor, you must throw it out and let people walk up and down on it. Hebrews is saying that when we go into sin that way, we have tossed the Lord on the ground and allow for him. We are saying he's not, Jesus is not powerful. Yeshua is not powerful. He's, he, we just throw him out like salt without savor and let everybody walk up and down on, on top of him. You think that is all? Let's hear what he says. Trodden and said, and counted the blood of the covenant and has counted the blood of the covenant uh, away with you are sanctified as an unholy thing. We are saying that the blood is cheap. 
The blood is cheap. It has no power whatsoever. No power. And watch the next part of it. And has dispute, done dispute, or despite unto the spirit of grace. Holy Spirit we're talking about. We are actually by our living and liberty disrespecting and dishonoring the Holy Spirit. Because we are saying he is not powerful enough. And Hebrews says when someone gives this kind of testimony, don't you think that God should strike them dead on spot? Because they have been liars. They are not given true witness of who is happening. This is a very tough day. I know you came here to hear that mother should be lovely, nice and sweet and cuddly like teddy bear. But that's not what this is about today. So here's what God is saying. That you and I, if we're going to change our testimony, need to break our love of fear with the world. So let me, let me, let, let me say, I'm going to say that right. So let, me, let me say it this way. Say it this way. You are cheating on the Lord. That, that's what I'm saying. You are cheating. You're in a relationship and you in another relationship with someone at the same time. You are giving the Lord born. That, that's what we say. That we have to break this love of fear that we have with the world. We are still too much in love with the world. We are in church and while the moves of God are going on, we're in outside and I blow a kiss to the world again. I'll see you later. Just wait until I leave church. I'll see you later. We're in church and we're doing that. We say, when I get home, I'm going to get back on pornography. When I get home, I'm going back into masturbation. When I get home, I'm going... We are blowing kisses to the world. So we are told, love not the world. Now the things that are in the world, for all that are in the world, so if anyone is in love with the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, the pride of life, and is not of the Father but of the world. The world is passing away, and so is everything with it. What is God saying? God saying it's time that you and I activate the treasure that is in you. As a matter of fact, let me, for what I just described to you, we, I want to I give you a caption for it because I, I want you to remember it. I said you need to break your love of fear with the world. So now, the next one we're saying, you need to activate the treasure that is within you. Here's what it says. If, uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. So 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5, it says, let me start at verse 3. Listen to this, how wonderful it is. For as much as you are manifestly declared, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us. Paul says the people are the scriptures. Where we say epistle, 
epistle means letter or book or these scriptures Paul is saying that you are a book that someone is reading every day you are be, you don't have to go to Obiaman somebody is reading you up every day every day look what it says now so you are the epistle written not with ink but with the spirit of the lord living god not on tables of stone but on the tables of your heart something is written upon you and it's not on not by ink but by the spirit of god that is how seriously important that is he continues he continues continues and such truth have we have we through Christ to God's word not that we are sufficient enough ourselves to think anything as of ourselves but our sufficiency is of God who has made us able ministers of the new testament not of letters but of the spirit for the letter killeth but the spirit gives life paul let I me mean, paul paul is really driving it here he said listen to me your epistle is not ink that is upon you it is the spirit of the lord that is upon you people are reading you daily you have been given you have been made able ministers of the new testament there are many people who will never take up a bible and open it in fact most people when they take up the bible and open it they go straight to the psalms if they are going to read any other portion of the bible it's you they're going to look at it's your life they're going to look at don't worry i'm almost done i'm almost done second corinthians 4 7 you have this treasure in earth and vessel that the all-surpassing power may be of God and not of you. In verse 1 and 2 of that, 1, 2 and 3, it says that we have renounced some things. We have broken ourselves free from something. We're not going back over there. And because of that, God has put treasure. It is time for you to activate the Holy Spirit in your life. Stop behave as though you can live without him and operate without him. You can't, not in this earth, none at all. You need to have a manifestation. The church needs to begin to crave again for the full outpouring and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every one of our young people, every one of us older, whatever age, you need every one of our children. We need them to be filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, with evidence of signs, wonders, with evidence of holy living, with evidence of manifesting his glory. Treasure in earth and vessel. Next thing. I have a question for you. I have a question for you, but instead of just asking you directly, I'm going to ask you to point at someone 
and ask them this question from the Holy Ghost. Are you ready? Are you ready? So here's the question. Ask them this question. Are you going to let you're not asking, come on. Are you going to let your body cause you to miss heaven? Are you going to let your flesh cause you to miss heaven? Now, I don't know if they give you an answer, but ask somebody else. They likely would have they never answered you. There's too much a troublesome question. Ask somebody else. Are you going to let your flesh are you going to let your body cause you to miss heaven? Seriously now. No, the Lord said ask you one more time because the spirit of the Lord is serious about this matter. The Holy Ghost wants to know. I said the Holy Ghost wants to know. Are you going to allow your flesh and your body to cause you to miss heaven? Is that where we are at? That we would sacrifice the eternal for the temporal? Is that, is that what the church has become? That we will give up the more important for the things that are perishing? Uh, so we stay now. Is that what the body has become? Seriously? Is that, is that the kingdom that we are presenting to the world? Is that what ambassadors look like? Is that what the citizens of heaven look like? Is that, is that it? Are you going to allow your flesh, your body, to cause you to miss heaven? If your answer is no, then here are some things that you must do. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27 I beat my body unto subjection lest by any means when I have preached to others I myself become an outcast. I want to ask this question again. Are you going to miss heaven because your flesh cannot be under control? Is, is that it? Is, is that is that is that what the body of Christ is about? That we will preach others in and ourselves out? That after all the years that you have walked with the Lord, you just miss heaven like that? Simply because your flesh railed upon you like stallion? Is that it? Spirit of the Lord is not done. So here he says, it is time to break the deception. What is the deception? Do you not know, I know you not, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 
be not deceived neither fornication nor adulterers nor idolaters nor uh, effeminate nor abusers nor um, of himself with mankind nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkard nor revelers nor, nor scammers extortioners nor scammers you will not make it into heaven unless you repent shall not inherit the kingdom of God So here is what verse 11 says. And such were some of us. But we were washed. But we were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of God. So we come back to the Spirit of God. So we need to break the deception. The deception in thinking that we can live any and any way. And still make it into heaven. The deception that tells us that you know. We don't have to be that strict about our walk with the Lord. After all, you're just too charming. You're too strict. You're too righteous. You're too holy. You're too heavenly minded. Yeah, you, you're too. You, you have, everything you have to talk is about Bible, sir. Every time we talk is about prayer. Every time you call, you can't talk about anything else. Why are you so strict? You don't want to miss heaven. You don't want to miss heaven. It does require that strictness. It requires that level of piety. We must make that transition and the commitment. Break the deception. So here's what the Lord Spirit of the Lord is saying again. He says it is time. He said we need we need we need said, the body need <laughs> a hammer and nail treatment. Not a thumbtack. As some of us I try to crucify the body with thumbtack. Not thumbtacks. The body must be beaten under must be beaten under we don't come into this place in God unless something die he died but our bodies must die our flesh man must die in order to come into this he says verse Colossians 3 verse 5 says mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication and cleanness uh, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and uh, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which, for which things, for which things sake, the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. So he says, it is time to beat something down, and it is our flesh. Verse 7, in the which ye also walk in times past when you live in them. But now you should put off all these anger, wrath, and malice, blasphemy, filth, filthy communication out of your mouth. So all of the sexting, 
and the all kind of lewd talk that goes on via social media that the world makes it seem as though it is okay. All the malice and the anger and the blasphemous talk. He says, include all of that. Are you going to miss heaven? Are you going to miss heaven? Because your flesh is out of control. Holy Spirit talking. Holy Spirit talking. He said, stop telling your body a lie. Stop telling your body a lie. What is the lie? Your body is the temple of God, not the temple of fornication. So we are telling our body that it is the temple of fornication. That it is the temple that cannot stand up to hold the glory of God. That's telling your body a lie. God has already declared to your body what its purpose is. It says all... Oh God, let me behave myself. First Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful unto me. But I will not be brought under the power of anything. You have you are literally handed over your power to flesh. You hand over your power. You have authority and you give it over to your own feelings. Uh, you, you gave it over. No, no, no. You, I know you want to tell me something else. No, you gave it over. It is just like Adam in the garden who willfully chose to eat. You have willfully chose to not regard what is deposited in you. You gave it over. It is you who gave up your authority. It is you who gave up your this and that. It is you. Now watch it. This is what it says. Paul says in verse 13, meat for the belly and the belly for meat. But God shall destroy both of them. The body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. No. So let me let me take out the paraphrase. So Paul says, Paul says, and pardon me, but it's just straight scripture. Paul says, by natural creation. Vagina is made for interaction with penis and vice versa. But God will bring both into judgment for anyone who chose not to control it. That's what he says. Meat for the belly is a nice fancy talk of saying this is made for that but if both does not respond both will die. Holy Spirit talking. Holy Spirit talking. And God has raised up the Lord and will also raise us up in his power. If we are prepared to actually obey the Lord, he will raise us up in power. He'll give your power back to you. He'll give you back your power. We're almost done. He'll give you back your power. Almost there. Holy Spirit talking. He says, it is time to play the Joseph. It is time to play the Joseph. We need to flee fornication, not feed fornication. So, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 flee fornication and every sin a man does 
touch without his body. But he that committed fornication has sinned even against his own body. My brothers, my sisters, Holy Spirit says, it is time for us to play the Joseph. Begin to act like Joseph in situation. Instead of running towards it, like when we hear gunshot fire in, in a city community, everybody run to where the gunshot is fire. We need to run away from fornication. We don't need to feed it. We need to flee it. We need, next thing, we need to activate the godly disciplines. Commit ourselves again to prayer, to fasting, to discipleship. You don't want nobody to talk to you. But you have to commit yourself to discipleship, to intimacy in the word, and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The kononia, it's time to get in a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm closing now. I'm closing. And Holy Spirit is still talking. So here is what here is what God is saying. Here's what God is saying to us. Holy Spirit talking. He says, You are free. Say that with me. You are free. Tell somebody, you are free. Galatians 5.1 Stand therefore. Everybody jump up on your feet for me please. Stand. No, no, no. Sit down again. You move to, you move to, except for Jasania, everybody else should not have this problem. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Let me explain what I just said. Are you ready? Attention! We're going to send you back a boot camp. When he said stand, that is a call to take a military position. Stand therefore in the liberty that Christ has made you free and do not entangle yourself again in the yoke of bondage. It means the responsibility of being entrapped rests upon you. You can prevent yourself from being trapped if you take a stand. There are about 15, about 17 categories of sin documented in Romans 129 to 32. So, some, some large figures there. I won't go through them right now. You can read them. Romans 1 from verse 27 to 32. Uh, 28 to 32 rather. And he says, you are free from all of them. In fact, the Lord says, read them. So, here are the unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, uh, covetousness, uh, malice, envy, murder, um, debate, deceit, malice, whisperings, backbiting, um, uh, haters of God, uh, despiteful, proud, um, boasters, envy, uh, invest, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, covenant breakers, without natural affections, uh, impeaceable, unmerciful, all of these, you are free 
from sin. You are free from sin. And so I end then with this statement. I'm going to read it to you and then I'll tell you what the last statement is. 1 Corinthians 10.13 Therefore and I said there is I'm sorry, there has no man taken so there has no temptation taken you but that which is common to man so say it with me all human beings are tempted now there is the next part now but God is faithful who is not willing or who will he's not willing that you be tempted above and beyond what you are able to bear but with God will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might that you that may be able to bear it so I want you to point a bony finger in someone's face like you're threatening them but you're about to tell them something very important I want you to tell them this Holy Ghost speaking a temptation is not an occasion to commit sin but rather an occasion to avoid sin Stop telling lie and temptation. Now you tell God that the temptation tempts you and that's why you're fell into sin. God said not so. Not so. Stop telling lie and temptation. You well and wanted to get yourself in trouble. You know all of the precautions to take and you... Alright. Stop, stop the life on temptation. But, but, but temptation tempt you and you are tempted. No, 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 no. Stop the lie on temptation. The purpose of temptation is to tell you what is about to happen that you might choose to go the opposite direction. Once a temptation is happening, it is telling you that the sin is not yet committed. You can change direction. You can change direction. Why, Pastor? May I tell you the truth? The people that know me love pineapple. And they just put down pineapple before me, sir. What do you expect? This is cheap. No. Nope. Why are you handing your power over to something that you can break? Temptation is not an occasion for sin. It is not an occasion for sin. It's an occasion to avoid sin. As you are standing, let us repent before the Lord. Say, Father, your Holy Spirit have exposed our heart today we confess that we are sinners that even after we have eaten at your table we are still found to be sinners cleanse me Lord forgive me Lord give me back my power 
Give me back my power. Give me back my power. Give me back my power. Lord, I want to be like David. That will teach transgressors your way. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of serving you. Restore my joy. Restore my power. Restore my anointing. Restore it, Lord. Restore my favor. Restore my purity. Restore my morality. Restore my mentality. Back to your word. And I will teach transgressors your ways. I will teach transgressors your ways. Come on. I will teach transgressors your ways. Now pray with me, say, Father, I will be led of your Holy Spirit. Come on. I will be led of your Holy Spirit. I will not be controlled by dopamine, testosterone, or progesterone. Come on. I will not be controlled by dopamine, testosterone, or progesterone. I will not be controlled that the lust that passed through my mind. I will not be controlled by my crutch. I'm very serious. I will not be controlled by my crutch. But I will be led off by your Holy Spirit. You have called me into liberty. And I will walk in that liberty. I will walk in that freedom. I will not entangle myself again. In the bondage of yoke. In yoke's bondage. So Father, here I am. I renounce the sins of my flesh. The desires of my flesh and of my heart that does not line up with you. Lord, I renounce it. And I want you to restore to me the fullness of your spirit. I surrender. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I surrender. I surrender. I want to be true testimony of your grace, of your spirit power to deliver, of your spirit power to deliver and to set one free as it is of this day. Amen and amen.
Thank you. Hallelujah. This is the Holy Ghost.